0: All right. Judges 14. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and his mother, I have seen a Philistine wo- woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all your people people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. <laughs> that translates so nicely, doesn't it? <laughs> his parents did not know that this was uh, uh, that this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at this time they were ruling over Israel. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat but he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done then he went down and talked with the woman and he liked her sometime after when he went back to marry her he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass In it was a swarm of bees and some honey which he scooped out of his hands and ate as he went along when he rejoined his parents he gave them some and they too ate it But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Now his father went down to see the woman, and Samson made a feast there as was was customary for bridegrooms. And when he appeared, he was given thirty companions. "'Let me tell you a riddle,' Samson said." Said to them, Samson said, said to them, If you can give me the answer within the seven days of the feast, I will give you thirty linen garments and thirty sets of clothes. If you can't tell me the answer, you must give me thirty linen garments and thirty sets of clothes. Tell us your riddle, they said. Let's hear it. He replied, Out of the eater, something to eat, out of the strong, something sweet. For three days, They could not give the answer. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, Coax your husband into explaining the riddle for us, or we will burn you and your father's household to death. Did you invite invite us here to rob us? Then Samson's wife threw herself on him, sobbing. You hate me. You don't really love me. You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. I haven't even explained it to my father or mother. He replied, "'So why should I explain it to you?' he, said, he replied. She cried the, soul, the whole seven days of the feast. So on the seventh day he finally told her because she continued to press him. She in turn explained the riddle to her people. Before sunset on the seventh day, the man of the town said to him, "'What is sweeter than honey? What is younger, stronger than a lion?' <clears throat> "'What is stronger than a lion?' Samson said to them. "'If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle.'" "'Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power.'" He went down to Ashkelon, struck down thirty of their men, and stripped them of their belongings, and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he went up to his father's house, and Samson's wife was given to to the friend who had attended him at the at his wedding. This is the word of the Lord. Good
1: morning. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor at Christ Central Church, and we're going to continue in in this uh, crazy. Um, well, it's. It's God's Word, but it is the crazy book of Judges. Um, And it doesn't get any um, more conventional as we go, as you will soon tell, as we head toward the end of this series. Let me pose a couple of questions before we get started. considering especially the events of a week like we've just had, because if you're like me, You're hoping and wondering and scraping for some redemption. You're looking for some sort of balance, some yin for that yang. And with that, I mean, I wonder how can and does God get his redeeming good will to come through and despite sinful and broken people? I mean, how can and does God make good? You know, the kind of good that overcomes evil happen in such a wild and crazy and renegade world. This story of Samson, part 1 of 2 that we're going to look at today teaches and shows how God gets what I would metaphorically describe as honey. How does God get sweet honey from a rotten carcass? Our last judge in this series uh, was, was born to parents who, who struggled to have children. And uh, if you look in your Bible, if you had it it's back in ver- chapter 13, and we've skipped that whole chapter but um, his parents struggled to have children and in a vow to god an okay vow this time as opposed to jephthah's last week okay i believe his mother's told by an angel that uh, she and her future son the one she prayed for are to take the Nazarite vow which means during the period of the vow they could not cut their hair It was their growing connection to the Lord. To cut it was to separate themselves from him. They could not eat the fruit of the vine, no uh, grape anything, no raisins, no peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and of course, no wine. And also during the period of their consecration of vow to be a Nazarite, they were not to go near any dead bodies. It was all about remaining ceremonially ceremonially clean during the period, holy to the Lord in this peculiar way. And while most Nazarite vows were for a time, a period for a defined time, Samson was different. He was to be a Nazarite for life. And for Samson, it was a life of struggle. Because how can I put it? Samson was not a very good Nazarite. And yet the Bible says he would be used um, in chapter 13 when the angel is talking to his mom. He would be used to begin Israel's God's people's uh, deliverance from the Philistines. If you've had some kind of small Sunday school knowledge, you know about David and Goliath, which will happen in the next era over from this. But Goliath the giant was a Philistine. Samson was going to be used to start the work of taking out those that should not have ever considered themselves worthy to to be the rulers and the oppressors of God's people since he, God alone, was to be the king of Israel. But but back to the point here. Of, Of all people, God uses Samson, a shaky leader, not a good example of how to lead. I mean, Samson ways when I'm reading this text are oppressive in and of themselves, but oppressive and impressive at the same time. His behavior was bad, but the action, it was just so good. You see, Samson was blessed with this superhuman strength, and he also had the ability to spit lyrics and rhymes and riddle. It was easy to have a man crash on him. You know, he was the man. He's who you wanted to have around. It's it's like how captivated I was by one of now Governor Schwarzenegger's uh then just Arnold's nineteen eighty five movie Commando. I don't know why I'll just flip it through and There's commando. And I'm just looking at this this kind of muscle-bound killing machine. He's just taking out a whole army with what one man could carry on his back. Then there's a shed full of garden tubes. And tell me, I will tell you that I was captivated and I felt a little stupid. Because the acting was so bad. (laughs) It was so poor. (laughs) Joel loves that show. My younger brother, I'm like, Joe. what army guy do you see roll up on shore in a Speedo? It's just corny. But the action was so impressive. Welcome to Samson. Think Think of him as a moral version of Arnold. His acting, his behavior, his sense of obedience, so bad but the action so good see Samson would be God's box office blockbuster he would be used for God's glory for the wealth of his people through concession he was no different and definitely no better than what we have seen and learned so far about God and in his use of judges these earthly war leaders Samson was about God getting his good purposes and results from renegade people I mean that's people used by God even though they may be driven and damaged by sinful intention now, now after the details of his birth and the angel visiting his mom we are set up to expect some sort of holy greatness from samson you know you got the angel you got the explosion you have all this stuff happening and the bible tells us that when it was time for samson to be married he wanted any to be married he wanted anything but What would be considered a good choice by a Nazarite born through some sort of God-given miracle? Who's going to be the man who saves Israel? He wanted a Philistine woman. That's like having Farrakhan. Wanting to marry a white daughter of the Confederacy, Flower of the South, former deputant from Mississippi. (laughs) Confusing. Confusing. And so his parents made good sense. Like Samson, get yourself a good home girl. Marry a good church girl. But Samson wanted what he should not have gotten to marry a woman who was not of Israel. Forbidden to, in Scripture to marry. You know, who was because she was a non-Israelite. On top of that, she was a Philistine. She was of one of the oppressors. And she lived in all places in Timnah where the vineyards were. Remember his Nazarite vow? Can't eat grapes, drink wine. The Bible says he found out about her when he went down to Timna. What's he doing down there? He was in the brewing town of Mad Dog 2020's Red Grape and Purple Rain. Now, remember, Samson was supposed to be the good guy. Y'all know what that is. Y'all in trouble. Okay, he was supposed to be the good guy. I had to look it up online. The good guy. He was supposed to be the good kid. The church could. But Samson liked the bad girls. He he liked going to the club and picking out a wife. Samson be clubbing. And the Bible gives us no indication that he had a good thought in his mind about it. He was driven by sinful desires. That's wanting what God has not freed you to have. And the Bible says he convinces his parents with enough, please, mom, and please, dad. Y'all had to laugh. She's the right one for me. You know, there's going to be problems right there. I mean, they now understand they in most likelihood caravaned down to Timna to make the deal. Now, wedding back then was a business deal. Some days, today is not always that different, but it was a, you know, everybody knew it was all out in front. Of it was a business deal, you know, with dowries and prenups and land properties and all of that kind of insurance, all, all this kind of stuff. And so his family, CPAs and their stuff and traveled down. And the Bible says that a young lion, as opposed to an old one, uh, which is, it was young and ready and hungry. It came out of the woods in Samson. Now, Kind of hard because it's like he was with his parents going down and this lion comes out. And then two verses later, it says he didn't tell them about it. So I'm imagining this caravan And Samson's not obviously not in the same part of the caravan with his parents. He takes the lion and tears it apart like a pinata. Now, the Bible says a young goat. I don't think I could tear apart a yacht. I, feel, I would feel like the man. I mean, it's like, I was like, well, what? I must be a weakling because it's like he tore it apart just like he would a young goat. <laughs> OK, after it's cooked. Sure. <laughs> I can tear it up after it's cooked. <laughs> but anyway, so he. Te- OK, OK, back to Arnold. Samson tore this thing with his bare hands. And we are called after all we know about this meathead. To chair. To see and believe that he is the man with the pecs and the buys and the tries and the eight pack and the long hair looking like a WWF cage match. He takes this lion out piece by piece and intermediate confusion. Because the Bible says, what? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he tore it apart. I don't know about you. But in my own storybook, low country Charleston bred superstition, represent. But when that lion came out of the woods on Samson's way to doing wrong, this should have been it. You know, the omen. The wild beast freak accident, I told you so. God ain't happy with what you're doing accident, you know? And God uses it ironically as a Samson confirming moment. What's God doing here? I mean, when I first read it, young lion coming out the woods. "Uh Uh-huh, should have gone down there and messed with that girl. But the Bible says the spirit did it. Why, God? Why are you confirming this crazy man? He is teaching us, preparing us to meet and know him, God. Not Samson, and know more about our God. What is it that we're here to Learn, obviously, because the Bible says that he was using this love for this woman as an occasion to take the Philistines out. It means God uses people driven and driving towards sin for his purposes as he pleases. And he still is not the author or doer of that sin. Like Samson gets a hold of an out of control lion. God has this might. And he mightily takes a hold of these he, this hedonistic man, Samson, in his grasp. And it teaches us and should call our hearts to cheer Samson, yes, but to praise God. To, yeah, be moved by Samson's strength, but the hope in God. To think, God, Samson is a mess, but you, you know, okay, Samson is an Arnold-level actor. But God, you did a Scorsese job on him. You get the glory, God, because you got good out of bad. Because you God. If this lion incident should foreshadow and define and confirm what Samson will do, he will tear apart and be used to tear apart the mighty intruding lion, the Philistines, for the protection and freedom of God's people in their God-given land. And the Bible says Samson, the family, continues their journey to meet this woman. He does not tell his parents what happened. And I think, I'm like, why did he tell his parents? I mean, It doesn't tell us exactly. But I can just imagine they might have crowned him the next deliverer of Israel, which would have been okay. But Samson was not ready to stop being a play and become responsible. And and so they go down and work out the details. And then on the way back, on the way back there, after coming back and forth, I don't know how long they had been in Timnah. But enough time for the carcass of the lion to get bees to build a nest inside, and the Bible tells us that that he reaches into the dead carcass. I know, I know. Don't go any near any dead bodies, Nazarite vow. Okay, and he takes some honey to eat, and he's just enjoying this honey. I mean, I don't know how he took it. Whether he had a stick like a lollipop, I don't know. Whether he had it on the spoon. Uh, whatever but the bible says he's enjoying it maybe he had a crate a barrel i don't know and 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 he takes it and the bible says he eats it and gives some to his parents to eat too without their knowing where it came from i remember mama was not to eat anything unclean i believe this would have come close to qualify as an unclean meal what was samson thinking the bible says that when he was going down, his eyes moved to it. It's just, it has this uh, strange phrase here. It says in verse 8, sometime later when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. The, I mean, translation, it looked good. You know, like the golden arches for some of us. You just kind of see it. And automatically you can taste that Big Mac. I mean, it, or, or, or just a view of a mall for some of y'all, you know, or the chocolate store. And uh, his heart was pulled. He was turned and he went and got it because he wanted it. He was driven for his taste, a taste that he was not supposed to. It wouldn't have been wise for him to execute on. He was to deny deny himself, again, driven by sinful, fallen, broken desires, yet his parents are fed by it. Now, this should be confusing because Judges is confusing. I don't know what God's thinking, but anyway, Judges is confusing. I, I want you to see the symbolism here, though. In God's promise to his people, he said that they would experience a land flowing with milk and honey, a promise of the promised land, sustenance and goodness. From the Lord for his people, Samson, the bonehead, the daredevil, the left side or right got what was good and promised and to be a blessing for his parents with dirty hands and a not so straight heart, but delivered physically and symbolically what God was doing through him. The blessing and promise of God for his people from the promised land at the death and the defeat of their oppressive enemy, the Philistines. That again, God would use Samson, not so good, to do his good will. To get from what is not good, the Philistines and, and their ways, the rotting corpse, what was promised to his people. God would use his good promises, developing and making them available and receivable by his people for his glory from and through oftentimes fallen and damaged people in their world. means something amazing god is powerful enough to use people to do his will despite their sin and sinful intentions known and unknown now it means you're called as you look to god to provide to take new hope in institutions and people God has chosen to use. You know? God's chosen means to let the world get His honey. Means that are not always good, but most importantly called and used by God. I think about uh, the most obvious churches and their pastors. And we start having discussions about churches and their intentions. We, we're gonna be here a while. You know, honestly, even pastors like Pastor Giorgio, he ain't always thinking about you. No, me too. (laughs) I'm sorry. We ain't good either. Sometimes we're driven by things we shouldn't be. Sometimes we put together stuff to present to you because we want it to sound good. We want to look good. You know, sometimes it's about being good and successful and being liked, And so God uses our dirty hands to give you and offer you the honey that he alone provided and has us get. From the carcasses of this life. Not like we're trying to be. You work hard to be orthodox. You work hard to not have your intentions be all twisted and turned. But if I were up here telling you I'm preaching today with a pure heart, it wouldn't be true. Thus, we can have these calls in Scripture to obey and submit to each other. Even do something crazy like be a part of a church. You know, yeah, I've said this before and I've heard it said it many times. If this was a perfect place, it stopped being so when you and me walked in. Automatically, it's a mess up in here. I know y'all. Y'all know me. Just hang out for a little while. A few sentences, you realize I got problems. <laughs> And yet, in Scripture, God calls us to submit to each other in right and rightful places of authority. Children and parents and husbands and wives and bosses and workers and government leaders and people. And, and this story gives hope that if the God of the Bible is God, then all of your bosses have a boss too. All of those that you rely on for honey, even if they get it from a carcass and from ill-driven intentions, whoa, whoa. You have a God that is God over all and at times gets for you and me what even they may not have intended to give in that like the lion in the hands of Samson, like Samson in the hands of God. All those who are responsible in providing honey are in the redeeming hands and control and producing out of the carcasses of sometimes errant personalities comes God's good. And right purposes for you. And like Samson's parents, there's no way to always see it or see how. You know, most times we're blinded in knowing, what's this person really thinking? Do they really love me 100%? No, maybe 70% on a good day. You know, what are they really thinking? What do they want out of it? We don't always know the seeing is not ours all the time, but the God-given honey is. God is your father and king. And he's the one who hears your prayers Just like he heard Samson's mother's prayer for for, for hope for a child and and even Israel's prayer that they would be delivered. And he said, Samson. The Bible goes on to tell us that Samson goes through on the deal to marry this woman. And it all started with this seven day. I'm going to describe as a rehearsal dinner. To give time to make sure everything was right and well, and to confirm the consummation of the marriage. And part of that was to get her brothers or people to make sure Samson was a good man and that things are going to go through. And if not, to protect her, that may, and if not so, to protect her and her family's honor. And verse 11, which turned on me, says this. When he appeared, that's Samson. He was given 30 companions. That, that, that they saw him and they saw, man, this one wild, raucous brother. I mean, I, I, Samson probably had some muscles. You know what I'm saying? He probably looked like he tore a lion apart. And they said when they saw him, he was given 30 companions, that he was the man and the man from Israel. Number one, he looked like the man. Number two, he was from Israel. He was from the lower class, but buff. He was given 30 girls in which in this wedding was not the people you choose, but the people they choose. You know, maybe we should go back to that because I think it'll change some of the bachelor parties. But anyway, they, They were keeping a strong eye on him, per se, because if this brother acts up, we's in trouble. Sensing the show of we are going to control and watch you, Samson, the poet, and you know it, drops a rhyme to tease them. Look with me at verse 12 and 14. Let me tell you a riddle, Samson says to them. If you can give me the answer within the seven days of the feast, I will give you 30 linens and 30 sets of clothes. If you can't tell me the answer, you must give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. Tell us your riddle, they said. Let's hear it. And he replied, out of the eater something to eat, out of the strong something sweet. And the rhyme kind of has this twofold twist to it. I believe the language of the riddle suggests that he is forcing them to say, In the context of the wedding now, remember what's going on. The honey and the meat is mine for to take it. In other words, the Philistine woman that I'm going to marry soon, the spoils given to me. And of course, answer would shame them and their sister, but also they would get it wrong because they didn't know about the lion. Now, he promises that if they get it right, he would buy the rented tuxedos they had on. You know, the, the it, in the undergarments, I mean, they got the designer Calvin Klein underwear and the shiny shoes, too. OK. And if they did not, they would return a favor. They couldn't get it right. So they couldn't get it after three days of the feast nearing the end and see they could not afford to buy it for him and his people and bear shame. They shake down his fiance. Threatening to burn down her house and burn her family. Cause this now is about representing. This is about props and pride. And she gets Samson through enough please, baby, please. Bible says that she just pleaded with him. Do you hate me? Oh, you hate me. And and he gives it up and they and they give the this answer back in a riddle in verse let's see. eighteen. Before the sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And Samson replies to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. And Samson uh, is, is infuriated. And, and it, you know, what they're saying is that they say a riddle back to him. And what is the answer to their riddle? What is sweeter than honey and stronger than a lion? A woman's enticing. Samson, you couldn't even handle the woman. She gave us The answer and the Bible says Samson is infuriated and he beats up 30 Philistine men and takes their clothing off their body to pay the bet off. And then he goes home. And by the time he gets back, his wife has been given to protect her honor to another man. And he gets angrier. And the Bible says he ties torches to the tails of 300 foxes now some people say interpreted better hyenas and he ties their tails together. And then in this kind of connection of their tails, he puts a torch and he lets them loose near the grain. Now there's, Three forms of grain going on here. There is uh, the grain that's already been harvested, just kind of standing up in a warehouse in the area. And then there's a grain in the field ready to be harvested. And then there's a stuff ready to be picked, I mean, on the way to being harvested. And the Bible says that these 300 animals with these torches on their tails go into the field and they burn everything up. Needless to say, folk got mad. And the people of Israel, some of the men went to Samson's. Uh, uh, they were like, who did this? Well, it was Samson, that man, that, that girl was supposed to marry. And so they go to her house and they do exactly what they said they were going to do. They burn her house down. They burn her and her father. Because of it, it causes conflict between Samson and he gets angry. And the Bible says he comes through and he kills some of them in. And so we have this beef developing, but the beef develops between Israel and the Philistines. And so the Philistines put pressure on the Israelites and the Israelites say, Samson. We got to turn you in, brother. Because we can't handle it. And right when he gets to where the jail is. The Bible says he gets this superhuman Arnold strength and the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him and he breaks the cord. And when he breaks the cord in the presence of a thousand Philistine soldiers, the Bible says there was a fresh donkey jawbone and he kills one thousand Philistines. And of course, Samson comes back with this death rat in verse 16 of chapter 15. With a donkey's jawbone, I've made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. But I heard that rap. Made me think about Shaq trying to rap. You know, it's just And <laughs> you just heard it with a donkey's jawbone, I've made donkeys of them. You know, just kind of that that sort of I can't do, you know, the millennial rap, I gotta go back to the 80s where everything rhymed on beat, you know. <laughs> I tried to rap once and I was like, my name is. And Kelly's like, man, nobody say who their name is anymore. You trapped the 80s. (laughs) You know, it's just one of those. But he's saying, look, I beat you down. The lion, the Philistines, the 30 groomsmen. The anger pyro mob, the thousand fighting men, an angry mob of self-defeated, insecure Israelites. The world Samson is in and puts himself into, engages with driven, though driven by selfish and sinful desires, is a dangerous and damaging world that can rip and does rip you and me apart. A place that woos us with deadly and dangerous riddle. It calls us to take a bet that you can work as much as you do and it won't hurt you or your family. You know, it woos us to believe that, man, I really like what I see. In the American dream, it's reachable. It it woos us to a world in which if you as a woman, if you immerse yourself into, it will make you feel unnaturally so, too big or too small or too light or too dark or too kinky or too straight. Like the lion here, we live in a world that is filled with charging death and disease out of nowhere. Tragedies and massacres and wars and and abuse that we can't handle ourselves. I mean, this is the place we live. And sometimes a week like we had this week reminds us of how there are young lions and, and issues and circumstances that come out of nowhere. We are food for the lions in this world. An off-the-chain world, dangerous to relationship and personhood and dignity, a world that that many of us have committed ourselves to, sold out to, to trusting, if you will, our ability to out-riddle it. And we put a nation of people in harm's way. And as I wake up like you do, Like many of you do, I turn on the news on TV or NPR and 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 maybe your life circumstances are so rough, you don't need to turn on the news to get a story. But you and I can't help but wonder, can God get good from this disaster area called the world in which we live? Can we ever escape its wooing, its grasp? Can can God get glory and grace in such a fallen and broken place? And the story of Samson says, Yes. That even for people married to and engaged to and attracted to and bound to a dangerous and deadly life and world and worldview, his good purposes can come to bear. He can get and does get honey from a carcass. And like Samson, he gets good of our disappointments in the fallen world. I Man, I've heard it over and over from your stories, which are so similar to mine, how we have chased after much and it came up empty how we've cheated and, and lied and even demeaned ourselves to get ahead, to get that healing feeling, to have that man or that woman or that job or that free feeling and been left wanting and empty and distressed in this place of great disappointment. And the rage and the carnage of people pushed over the edge. God finds a way to get his gloriful and redeeming purposes out of it. And feed you and me the honey of his grace. For this belief he gives Israel Samson. You know, someone to cheer. Someone to say we might have a chance here. We, we may not have given in to say we might just win in a hostile environment. against a formidable foe in a world and in ourselves. And it teaches us and it encourages us to look to heaven and an honesty to ourselves. Declare we need a Samson. I mean, We need someone who can whip the lion, who can engage our sinful desires and, and with, with decisive strength and, and take out our insecurities, take out all of that harms us and holds us captive in this world. But when we look at the story, we don't need just another Samson is still not enough. Though inspiring and cheerworthy and worth going to and being moved to look for hope from his made-for-TV movie, he, I mean, he is just a bittersweet taste of what God has for you. After his victory, the Bible says he almost dies from thirst. He is the man, but he's not the Savior. Because yeah, in him, yes, the purposes of God are fulfilled, but the living intentions on behalf of God's people, he does not carry. Samson is like our Tupac. You know, brilliance and brute, hope and hell, astute and angry. Life and death, philosopher and gangster, stirring lyrics and stabbing eggs. We can't settle with that kind of stuff. Not in the mess we're in on this earth. Samson is our church and our leaders and our friends and our families and our parents and our spouses, people and institutions set by God like Samson to tell us there is good news, but like him is not the good news in and of itself. to bring a sense of deliverance and protection through the work of God's spirit, but not be the ultimate and final deliverer of God's people. God's people, as I've already said, should have cheered Samson, but thank God, despite him. They they should have moved the chain from Samson, but look to God for a redeemer. They should have been in awe of Samson, but praise God for the strength that would ultimately bring them victory. But like Samson, God gets his good and redeeming results from a renegade savior. Renegade. And if he couldn't get any more renegade than Samson, the one he foreshadows and points to Jesus, God coming in the flesh as God's living good, living good news for the world, is more confounding. Because Jesus is more than a Nazarite. He's the holy God of the world who took on the likeness of sinful human flesh. And in a stretch that even Samson could not make, he engages himself to fallen people, attracted to, if you will, to foreigners to God's goodness. He was attracted to people who hated God as their affections. He was touched by the dead in sin and he surrounded himself with those who hated him. And he came into this fallen world. He lives and lived among the most unclean, among the most evil, the most distressful. And in doing so, he put himself in harm's way to be captured as one who was fatally captivated by sinners like you and me to go to the cross. An unlikely weapon, like a jawbone, and on that cross defeated sin and death and the grave, loving those in their sin. We're the ones who sin turn him in. This renegade savior Jesus came to those who would dirty him with their sin, but yet he did not sin. A Savior who is not driven to love sinners by his own sinful desire, but to love you and me out of a a desire to see God's good, good news of grace transform your life. A renegade Savior who didn't come to feed himself, but to feed you and me, reaching his hand into the carcass of this world and its evil and and Places And without sinning, he gives us the honey of his grace. He gets the promise of his comfort for us, the offer of forgiveness, and with it, the security of his unconditional love. And it teaches us something and comforts us in this. God does get honey, sweet honey, from a rotten carcass, Ultimately, ultimately through his son, Jesus. That he alone can get what we dig for. He alone can give what we long for in this world. He alone harvests rightly. He gets peace out of distress and redeem people out of broken and fallen situations. Jesus alone can call and make sinners his children. Jesus alone can call one lion of a world and circumstances that keep us cowering in fear and death into submission. Jesus alone can walk on the campus of Virginia Tech. Yes, through the Samson's of campus ministry and ministers and local pastors and people who love him, he can walk even there into the classrooms, into what will be monuments of, of, of people who lived and died there and gain people and give peace in sorrow. He alone can handle the world that you and I have sold ourselves out to and lost. Jesus alone is powerful to handle the raging lions of our lives waiting to pounce on us with depression and disappointment and distress. Jesus alone... Became unclean with a death rod of our sin. He alone gets, Jesus alone gives, and Jesus alone is the sweet honey from a rotten market. And in that we can take hope and come to God eat. Bed and be cared. Even in this place. Even with these people. Because we have this one. faith, Let us. Pray. Heavenly Father. We live in a deadly world. Lord, we are. People who flirt with dangerous and damaging and deadly things ourselves. Thank you for having an eye for sinners even though you were the God of glory. For all the things we're going through this week and next week and next month and next year and even today. Lord Jesus, scoop sweet honey of God's grace and peace and comfort out of the carcass of a fallen and sinful world by your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.